This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our newest episode of our podcast, HR in Review. I'm Monica Sharma, the editor of HR Review, and if you haven't tuned in before, in this short segment, we'll be looking back at some recent standout stories, and we'll be discussing the most relevant topics linked to HR. Each week will be based around a different theme, and this week's is the menopause and the legalities surrounding this. Here today, I'm joined by my guest, Kate Palmer. Kate is HR Advice and Consultancy Director at Global Employment Law Consultancy Peninsula. Kate is involved in all aspects of HR and employment law. Her exploits include providing HR and employment law support to over 30 UK hospitals and dealing with high-profile NHS union cases, expertise she now brings to Peninsula clients. Thank you so much for joining us on the show again, Kate. How are you doing? Yeah, thank you, Monica. Um, I'm really well, thank you. And, And thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you today, Monica. Great. Well, so wonderful to have you here as well. Um, So jumping straight into our first story, a recent ruling by an employment appeal tribunal found that severe menopausal symptoms can amount to a disability under the Equality Act. So to provide some context on the menopause generally, CIPD figures published um, showed that this affects a massive number of women, close to a million who have left their jobs due to suffering from menopausal symptoms and not receiving the correct type of workplace support. Given that the majority of women who do experience menopause are typically around their mid-40s to 50s, um, this is an issue businesses really need to tackle as it's leading to a huge drain in talent as well as productivity. So obviously this court case, which has now recognised severe menopausal symptoms and ruled that this can now be classed as a disability, is a really important case moving forward. Um, So Kate, as you know this case quite well, would you like to start off by telling the audience the key facts and, and a kind of an outline of the case? Yeah, absolutely, Monica. This this is the case of Rooney versus Leicester City Council. And to just give a little bit of the headline, a few of the headline facts, really, Monica. So so Rooney was a or was a childcare social worker in with Leicester <laughs> Council, um, and she commenced her employment in August two thousand and six. She she had around twelve years service, at which point she she did resign. Mm-hmm. Um, and she resigned and submitted a tribunal claim, um, the various claims, including constructive dismissal. But the key one for our, our discussion today was the claim of disability discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, and her resignation was all around the fact that she felt that her employer had been insensitive in dealing with her absences, which she deemed attributable to menopausal symptoms, mm-hmm. such as confusion, stress, depression, anxiety, memory loss, etc. Um, she also took umbrage with the fact that um, she didn't want to speak to a male occupational health um, representative um, to investigate the medical conditions, etc. And she just felt that the council had dealt with all the concerns insensitively and hence she resigned. She submitted a tribunal claim that did go to employment tribunal. Mm-hmm. The tribunal struck out her claim of disability discrimination um, they said her condition did not amount to a disability. She actually pursued this at the appeal tribunal, who have actually said the tribunal erred in its findings and have reverted back to a tribunal. The EAT um, stated that they felt that the tribunal basically focused on what she could do as opposed to what she couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget that di- the definition of disability is all around the impact it has on your day-to-day life and the activities that it may um, 
prevent you from undertaking. And they felt that they had focused too much on what she could do as opposed to what she could not do. And they've put it back to tribunal to be heard again, Monica. Mm. So it'll be really interesting to hear what that said, um, what that brings um, and the outcome of that, that further interrogation of the facts of the case. Mm. I think that definitely was a key sticking point, the fact that, you know, it went back and forth um, from employment tribunal to then the employment appeal tribunal. And now it's going to be seen again in court. So there's a lot of contention around whether severe menopausal symptoms can count as a disability. But now the it's it's kind of been ruled in the claimant's favour at the moment. Yeah, definitely so. Definitely so. Mm. And obviously, contextual, it depends on the extreme. Mm. No of your menopausal symptoms and whether that's you know lasted or expected to last for 12 months and the impact it has on your day-to-day um abilities to to do everyday tasks so it'd be really interesting to see what that brings Mm -hmm. so just leading on from that we know that the severe menopausal symptoms can now um count as a disability but looking into what miss rooney's company failed to do what more was there that they could have done to support her Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah, I mean, the whole thrust of her concerns were around her the alleged sensitivity in which they dealt with her um, symptoms mm-hmm. as such and how they dealt with her absences. So look, there's a, there's a plethora of things, Monica, that, that, that businesses can be doing to support employees. I think, I think the first thing is people knowing how to handle a conversation around the menopause. Mm. Particularly male colleagues, you know, it, it, it's 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 been perceived in the past as a difficult thing to talk about. You know, it's been it has been belittled. It, it has been a you know a, a, a little joke in the corridor about you know the way you're feeling as a as a older lady going through the menopause. Mm. I, I think a few things to that um, education to line managers about how to deal with conversations around the menopause mm-hmm. um, and and real good training around that, supported by a really good. Um, policy on on how to address such things and just about sensitivity you know who should be having the conversations where you're having them Mm. the pitch of those conversations are there other things you can do to assist someone who is um encountering symptoms you know what are the symptoms Are are they having hot flushes can you look at dress codes can you look at flexible working if they are struggling in the workplace do you have to take a more lenient approach to absences so there's a whole host of things, Monica, that, that businesses can think about. But the, the important, the primary thing that I really don't think we've conquered yet is managers' ability to even talk about the subject matter. Mm-hmm. I think that's key in the first instance. Mm. I think, as you said, even within this case, um, I think menopause and its effects have been traditionally quite overlooked in the workplace. As you said, it's kind of been dismissed as a women's issue. And one yeah. of the the key points of this case was that she felt um, the claimant felt that she received unfavorable treatment she stated that a senior manager compared her own experience of getting hot flushes in the office which obviously arose from the menopause to just himself also getting hot in the office so it has been trivialized um, traditionally and I completely agree with you that there needs to be more awareness um, conversation and training around the topic So my lead on question from that really is what impact will this case have going forward? How does this feed into the much larger conversation regarding the menopause? Yeah, well, well, on the basis of, you know, the the menopausal conditions being 
deemed as a disability, it has to be taken seriously in the same vein you would anxiety, mental health, mm-hmm. um, cancer, uh, you know, right. thinking of the extreme, you know, it isn't a trivial subject. And employers need to be treading really carefully um, with regards to how they, they how they're handling situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it brings with it risk to employers if we're talking liability and costs, mm-hmm. but also the wider issue, you know, most businesses in the UK now are facing a challenge with recruitment and retention. Do they really want to be detracting women, getting into the prime of their career, mm. really, your 40s, your 50s, when, you know, you should be top of your game. You've got all that experience behind you. You want to keep hold of those staff. Mm-hmm. So really meaningful and productive conversations about any challenges they're facing, forgetfulness, you know, worry, lacking confidence, how are they going to overcome them and, and how are you going to support those employees? It, it, it needs to be on the agenda. It needs to be a talking point, Monica. Mm-hmm. And I think, as you said, there's been sort of a lot of commentary now about how more employers are being taken to employment tribunals due to the menopause. And I think if employers really want to avoid those claims and also, as you said, retain staff, it's important for them to recognise the severity of the symptoms and sort of make adjustments and arrangements accordingly very very much so i mean obviously it's been in the press uh, the the subject of the menopause has been in the press a lot more of late only Mm. in the the past couple of weeks i think davina mccall was outside Mm. um parliament and and the government are moving you know there's a there's a women's health strategy that's about to be published where menopausal um the discussion around the menopause is going to be front and center you know there's now um a menopause task force Mm -hmm. there's talk about cutting the cost of HRT treatments Mm. um, following a private member's bill. And there's also something separate to government initiatives, a a workplace menopause pledge that Mm -hmm. businesses are signing up to. So it's becoming front and centre. It's becoming much more um, a consumable discussion on the agenda. Um, And and yeah, businesses are going to have to embrace it, understand it, move with it. Because otherwise, you know, I, I can very much see them in tribunal the the Mm. the traffic the volumes around this subject matter that's being tested in tribunal is increasing Mm -hmm. yeah I I would definitely agree so just moving on to our second story this also comes as a chair of the women and equalities committee earlier this year discussed making the menopause a protected characteristic Um, So Caroline Noakes, who's head of the committee, described how there was a lack of clear legislation regarding the issue, making it difficult for individuals to take their cases to an employment tribunal. She stated, one of the key messages coming through is that people don't feel like they've they've got adequate resource to tribunals because they think the legislation isn't clear enough. We are hearing too many stories of people finding that the most convenient mechanism is to bring forward a a claim for disability discrimination the menopause isn't a disability so Kate legally how would making the menopause a protected characteristic differ from bringing forward a discrimination claim on the basis of disability as we've just spoken about in in the previous case would this have any implications for employers if you have any comments on the HR and Review podcast, would like to suggest a topic or speaker, or provide other feedback, you can contact us using the email podcast at hrreview.co.uk. We look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, I, I certainly think, you know, someone could be suffering symptoms of the menopause mm-hmm. um, and could be deemed as having a disability and may not be deemed as having a disability. Mm-hmm. 
So contextual, Monica. I mean, I, I can speak from experience. You know, I, I obviously have close family, female members. I've, I've got one who didn't encounter any symptoms at all. Mm-hmm. That person does not have a disability. I got one, I've got one who encountered extreme um, symptoms and I suspect they would have had um, their symptoms classed as a disability. Mm-hmm. So look, the, the issue of whether the menopause is or is not a disability it is very contextual it's dependent on the symptoms the extremeness of the symptoms the way someone is suffering and each case will be tested on its own merits mm-hmm. and that's important because there's not one sweeping statement that the menopause is a disability or the symptoms of such is a disability it's contextual specific to the individual and specific to what they're encountering mm-hmm. So then just to compare that to if it was made a protected characteristic, do you think that this would provide more women with with the case of being able to take their um, their cases to an employment tribunal? Yeah, definitely so. It gives clarity, doesn't it? Mm. If you have a if you have um real transparency about what something is and is not, then absolutely it opens that discussion, it gives you a route forward to challenge what you may perceive as poor treatment by your employer and and very much so Monica it it provides that clarity and um, way forward for women who may be suffering. Mm -hmm. So I think I've mentioned this already but um, research from menopause experts indicated that there is a growing number of women who are taking their employers to court citing unfair dismissal or direct sex discrimination due to the menopause. Obviously, the ideal scenario would be for employers to avoid employment tribunal claims regarding the menopause entirely and make reasonable adjustments. I know we've touched on this briefly, but what are the key actionable steps that employers can take when trying to support people going through the menopause at work? Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR in Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. I think the first thing is education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that really is key to everything that follows, Monica. So a, a really good awareness session on what the menopause is. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people won't even know what it actually is, what, what symptoms women may face. Mm. So a real good education session or series of sessions on, on such and then a policy to reflect the business viewpoint mm-hmm. and how the business aims to support people suffering su- such symptoms. And that forms your foundation. And then from there, you know, a policy is only as good as, um, you know, the, bringing the words alive, putting what you've written into practice. So then it's about for each case where a woman may be suffering, having those open honest, transparent discussions and adapting your approach dependent on what the person is experiencing because the symptoms can be wide and varied and broad. You know, we touched on some of them earlier, memory loss, migraines, hot flushes, anxiety, confidence levels dropping, anxiety, you know, anxiety about your capability of doing your job, mm-hmm. um, imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, all these types of things, Monica. So it's about speaking with the individual, assessing what they are, experiencing deciding if you need occupational health support making reasonable adjustments of course if it's if you believe it's deemed as a disability or it's categorized as such and working with that individual like you would should they be experiencing any other type of medical condition Mm -hmm. and being really agile with your approach Mm. 
I think this has actually kind of been touched upon as well, Kate, the, the same advice um, by the CIPD. So they also recommended line managers to start um, sort of initiating conversations in an open, honest and sensitive way um, to carry out risk assessments and to make appropriate adjustments, um, as well as managing performance proactively so they can sort of provide support um, throughout the whole process. Um and so I know we've touched upon this as well about um, initiating conversations, but as you've mentioned, it's sort of an uncomfortable topic for some managers because especially perhaps if they're male, they might not know how to approach this. So how can staff and, and managers be encouraged to engage in conversations linked to the menopause? I think the thing that I always say to my management team is know your team. Mm -hmm. You know, you you know, if, if you're a good leader, a good manager, you know your team inside out. And like anything, if you notice a, a difference in how they're behaving, in how they're conducting themselves or anything, you proactively jump on that. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone suddenly feels like they're making mistakes or, you know, or they, 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 they're forgetting things or, you know, anything. You've got to be really intuitive, know your team and strike up that conversation proactively mm -hmm. if an individual changes. I think that's absolutely fundamental mm. to this because then you're being proactive, you're ahead of the game and you can do things, you know, that wouldn't have happened because they might not have spoken to you openly about the issue. Mm. I think that's the main thing, Monica. It's really back to basics. It's really back to the fundamentals of you know, understanding your people, but that's really key. Mm -hmm. And if anything seems strange, ask. And likewise, if you've not noticed anything strange and someone comes to you and is really open and honest, mm -hmm. act, follow through and do something about it and make some changes. Mm. And so, Kate, I think I just have one final question for you, which yeah. is how are the legalities surrounding menopause and the general topic set to develop in the future? I think it's, it's going to be on the agenda, Monica. Um, uh, certainly in the immediate future, you know, mm -hmm. that the, the Rooney case is going to be really interesting to see how that develops. Mm -hmm. the, uh, all the government initiatives are going to be really interesting to see how they develop, you know, the, the menopause task force, mm -hmm. the publication of women's health strategy, and likewise the workplace menopause pledge that businesses are signing up to where they're putting the issue front and centre and, and, and making being explicit and transparent about it. Mm -hmm. All these things together and the increased volume of tribunal cases, uh, uh, we have to watch them mm -hmm. because together they're going to take the issue um, forward. It's going to mean that it's a headline news, mm -hmm. quite rightly, for the foreseeable. And, and hopefully then it will ultimately become a, an everyday talking point in businesses. Mm -hmm. we, we're far from that now. Um, but with the profile it's getting, hopefully in the immediate future or the imminent future, we, we will be there, Monica. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for joining me on the show today and talking through, you know, the menopause and the legalities surrounding this. Um, and as you said, I think this is set to become an increasingly prevalent topic in the future. And um, it's probably advisable for employers to keep an eye on on the cases that are ongoing. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, Kate works at Peninsula, a HR consultancy and can be reached there. Thanks again, Kate, for your contribution. Thanks, Monica. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me. No worries. As always, to our audience, if you're interested in learning more about the menopause, employment law, or any other topic linked to HR, head over to our website, hrreview.co.uk. Thanks once again to Kate for joining us and to our audience for listening. We hope to see you again next time where we'll be continuing the discussion on the most relevant HR topics. See you then.
The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.